0: Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. One thing that's become clearer than ever over the past few months is that brand authenticity and consistency in business are essential. Different markets have different tastes, so no matter what your business is, the challenge is to create a look and feel that's authentic to your brand while still being able to adapt and evolve. So today I'm speaking to a guest who knows a lot about creating authenticity through brave design as well as innovation for the future, and that is Ian Cartabiano. He's a president of Toyota Europe Design Development, who is also responsible for the progressive direction of the Lexus vehicles design and what's to come in the future. When it comes to pushing the boundaries and staying consistent, relevant and progressive in their design, Lexus, in my opinion, are ahead of the curve. And today we're going to be talking about the groundbreaking ideas that keep Lexus at the forefront and how you can apply these principles to your business. I want to ask Ian how the Lexus brand consistently appeals to the customers through design and the craftsmanship and the importance of evolving into the future. So let's get into it. Ian
1: Cartabiano, welcome to The Mentor. Mark, a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me with you. It's really great. I'm detecting an American accent or <laughs> Canadian. No, not Canadian. I, I can't hide it. It's American I'm a guy from Los Angeles, currently based in the south of France. Whereabouts in the south of France are, you t- are we talking to each other from now? And what time of night is it? Okay, we, uh, we're in a town called Sofia Antipolis. We're in between Nice and Cannes, so very close to where the Cannes Film Festival is held. And uh, right now it's about 13 minutes past midnight, south of France time. Wow,
0: that's not a bad that's not too shabby a place to be though no. at this time of year.
1: Very fortunate to be here.
0: So, Ian, can I ask you a question? So your title is President Toyota Europe Design Development. So that's that's a pretty cool title. And it's a cool place to work. That is Toyota Lexus. Um I've seen some really good designs behind you sitting there. Um Is this sort of your boyhood dream? You know, you're working for an organization like Lexus and or Toyota and uh, sitting around doing really cool designs and uh, playing with uh, unusual stuff and innovating and all that sort of stuff. I mean, is that sort of your boyhood dream?
1: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this was, uh, I'm doing the job today that I have wanted to do since I was about five or six years old. This is my dream job. But yeah, designing for a company like Toyota and Lexus and being, you know, now being stationed in the south of France, it, it doesn't get much better than this in our industry. It's funny, my friends and family members think uh, it was destiny to do this job because uh, my mom was an artist and uh, my dad was a toy designer. But also my dad's side of the family were a bunch of gearheads And so I grew up with cars, and I grew up with drawing and painting. And then you put that together, and as they say here, "Eh, voila, we have this job." You're you're blessed in that regard. Um, What is it? I mean, we're going to have a lot of listeners listening
0: to this, and I mean, I can only speak for men because I was a young boy. I can't say what it would be like for to be a girl. But my dream was to do something like you're doing now. As a kid, Hmm. how do you reach that dream? Like, what was it that you did that? got you to doing what you are doing today. So, you know, what was your what was your process? I mean, did you study this at school or did you sort of do this after school? Like, you know, were you obsessed with cars and or design
1: or was it just something that you inherited? How does it work? Well, to be honest, Mark, I, I think I've been obsessed with cars since before I can remember. My, my first actual memory is losing this prized Matchbox toy car. And uh, so I've been a gearhead since early days. And uh, I've also, I've always been drawing, doodling, and I had a family that they really uh, promoted and they supported this kind of artistic endeavor. And um, as I was growing up, I learned more and more that there was something called car design. And uh, when I was about 11 years old, I I used to subscribe to a magazine in the United States called Rodentrack. And in that magazine, they used to have drawing, like illustrations of future vehicles. And uh, one day I asked my father, how does this guy draw like this? How does he draw these future cars? And my dad, being a working toy designer, he took out a pad of paper and some markers, and he drew a a mid-80s Ferrari Testarossa on the dining table. And uh, at that point, I was like, this is what I want to do. I was hooked. Then I, I entered a car design contest when I was 12 and uh, I was one of the quarterfinalists. and that was a further step. And uh, at the time we were living in the east coast of the United States. My father transferred from one toy company to another, uh, to Mattel in California. And when we went to California, I knew there was a design school there uh, named Art Center College of Design. And it's one of the top car design schools in the planet. So, if you take a poll of all the car designers around the world, probably fifty percent of them graduated from uh, this university. And then through my high school days, my art teacher supported this goal of mine to become a car designer. So I I was able to get into Art Center, started in '94. And, uh, during that time it was, uh, I did an internship at Porsche in Germany and it was the first time I'd ever left the country in my entire life. And, uh, when you graduate, they have this, uh, senior show, they call it, and you put all your work on display and they invite major automotive OEMs from around the world. And you have one week to show off to try to get a job. And it's a very hard job to get. Uh, there's very few positions around the planet. And um, I had a couple job interviews from Europe and from Detroit. And the very last day, Toyota came. They said, uh, we'd like you to come in uh, in two days. And I went and took the interview. And uh, they went home, and that night they called, and they said, "Uh, we'd like to offer you a job. And this was two weeks after graduating. And uh, I couldn't believe my fortune that I was able to land a job. Doing what I wanted to do since I was six years old. That's quite pertinent and relevant to what Lexus in Australia, along with
0: my business mentor, has just completed. So we put together a thing called the Lexus Mentored Grant, and it was a grant of $100,000 made up of $25,000 each to four people. And it was about people putting small business owners putting their pitch to us. And what we were seeking f- was for high quality pitches, in other words, you know, someone who's well practiced similar to you when you you, know, you did your little pitch to all the OEMs after your graduation, but it was also about innovation. And um, for people to be successful, a lot of the times, they need something very, very important, and that is encouragement. Mm. And not enough people encourage, not enough businesses around the world today encourage, which is why I was so pleased that Lexus took this on. Not enough people go around encouraging small business owners or people like you, individuals to be the best they can in innovation, how important do you think that whole process of encouraging Ian Cartabiano helped in forming the guy you are today and the output that you are providing today to all those people who buy Toyotas and all Lexuses? And in other words, your design or your team's design or your company's design, how important was that little bit of encouragement back when you, maybe you were maybe you're eighteen years of age? That encouragement there and then.
1: Oh. Uh, honestly, Mark, I think it's incredibly important, and I think you raise a really good point that that kind of innovative and risk taking, challenging part of design is something that was it was encouraged greatly by the the faculty at Art Center, but also my high school art teacher, and to to do something innovative and try not to create what's been created before. The main reason that companies hire young designers is to come up with new ideas that the, maybe the generation like me now, who's more experienced, wouldn't think of. The students in this program, the ones that get hired, are the ones with groundbreaking, innovative ideas that challenge the status quo. And so you're pushed by not only for your own desire to do the best you possibly can, but the school is also very competitive, because it's a, such a small field, you're basically competing against the top designers around the world, and so maybe you think you're the best artist in your school. Well, you come to this university, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by forty other kids who were also the best in maybe their state, and uh, it drives you and it pushes you. It's funny because Business Week at one point ranked Art Center the third hardest university behind MIT and Harvard because of the pace of innovation and the fact that you had to come up with a totally unique and groundbreaking idea from zero to a model similar to what's sitting behind me in 13 weeks. So I think when I look back at the connection to where I am now, I'm really grateful for it because this company whether it's uh, Toyota or now we're talking about Lexus, it really focuses on innovation, not following the pack, um, breaking the mold, uh, being brave, whether it's design engineering or even brand image. And uh, cookie cutter designs and been there, done that, philosophies never really get past the drawing board here whether it's this studio in France or the headquarters in Japan or the studio I was working at in California. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful for that challenge. And I I totally agree with you. I think uh, no matter what the future generations come up with, I I think innovation and drive should be encouraged at a very early age and no matter what you're doing. And rewarded and recognized because –
0: Everybody wants to be recognized for what they've innovated. I mean, we, if we don't get recognized, sooner or later we'll just say, oh, stuff this. I'm not going to do it anymore because no one cares. I mean, you can get innovators like yourself and innovation organizations like the one you were for Toyota Lexus. In my business too, um, you, you do go through down periods you know, where you think, oh, wow, nobody gets this, nobody wants to do it, or it's, there's a whole thousand reasons why they don't want to do it or can't do it. Or it's too early in the curve and um, I'm just sort of headbutting against the wall, or there's 50 other people coming up with something better than me every week, or and you get your down periods. Everybody gets their down periods and you need to be lifted up. And it's just the simplest thing recognition is the simplest thing, and it can give someone a new lease of life and they'll go on to do something fantastic from there. And uh, I want to ask you now. What does Lexus do in that regard? I mean, you as the, as the president of the unit within the organisation of Toyota Lexus that develops change in the way automobiles are going to be in the future, how does it work in an organisation like yours? I mean, and, and how far out are you trying to innovate for? Are you trying to innovate for the next 20 years or you are just trying to innovate for next year or are you trying to innovate what you currently are doing to make it more efficient? What are the innovation areas? Is it about efficiency or is it cool looking or is it about the engineering? And what is the period that, it, that you innovate for? And what is it a response? What are you looking for? What does Lexus give back to you guys in your team?
1: Okay. So I would just say, first of all, to answer your question about recognition, uh, one form of recognition is good job. Now you can go be the president of the studio in the South of France for four years. <laughs> so that works. That works. But it's it's funny that you mention it. I, I haven't had anybody ask me that before, but it's a large part of what drives designers. And it's not because we're shallow or are looking for constant uh, affirmation from anybody. But when you create something that comes from your heart and soul and from oftentimes years of work, it's nice to get some recognition or acknowledgement. For my staff, I, I try to get my staff that works as a team on these projects out there to get recognition publicly and especially from our field. So for example, for the LF30 Electrified, I, I brought four of the designers that worked on the project with me and with the car to Tokyo. And we, we worked with Lexus International to put their actual design work on display in the show stand which was the first time that's ever happened. And uh, that little action created so much happiness within the team, and it also created a bond with the company that proves that uh, the company respects and admires design and puts a lot of stock into it and considers it an important part of the process. So recognition, I think, sometimes is actually more valuable than pay. 100%. Um, and that's an interesting thing. So thank you for bringing that up. And then regarding innovation, the studio that we're here in, in France, mostly we focus on advanced concepts that head towards production, uh, advanced concepts that nobody will ever see, and uh, concept cars like the LF30. And we work uh, within ranges of three years out. Uh, when we work on an advanced model, that maybe will um, become a production car. Usually it's three to four years in advance. And uh, for cars like the LF30, the target date range was uh, 2030. That's what we aimed the product to be. So 10 years out. And uh, sometimes we do projects that are 15, 20 years out where we reimagine um, not only design, but uh, the business model and how society may change and how a product we design may change with society and uh, in that way um it's interesting because the designers at lexus and toyota globally were not just stylists i think designers especially nowadays are really i consider them futurists and uh The designers here, especially in the last five years, have been tasked more with not only creating uh, what looks cool, but business case, um, use case, future buyer scenarios, future society scenarios, uh, technology, and then wrapping that all up into a package that still looks pleasing to the eye. So innovation is a large driver of our business and our daily job. So I, I know
0: a little bit about, in particular, Lexus. You know, I have two Lexuses and I have a, a Toyota Hilux as well. I drive a Hilux, I drive LC500, and I've got a, a SUV, a Lexus SUV. And mainly I put stuff on my farm, I drive things around the city, etc. But in any event, um, one of the things that I noticed is that um, the more I drive the, the 500, the LC500, <laughs> um, the more I drive it, the more I start to learn about the car. You guys obviously know everything about the LC500. I understand you're releasing a convertible very soon. Um, And I think the car is extremely cool to drive. It looks great. It sounds fantastic. But there are innovations within the car that maybe someone like me, I'm not a car enthusiast as such. But at the same time, one of the things that's really important to me is that I like to know that the car in itself is innovated and, in other words, has something in it that other motor vehicles on the road don't have. What are you thinking to yourselves when you, for example, try to maybe think about putting um, motors in all the wheels, in all the four, four wheels or something that you're going to do? What are you thinking about? How do you prioritize what's important? Are you thinking about how do I make this more efficient for Mark? How do I make this uh, a hybrid? Um, or how do I make it go faster? How do I make it more efficient with petrol and or uh, electricity? I mean, where do you prioritize these things? Mm. Or do you just have an open book for your team and say, let's just go for it and see what we can pull together. And then we'll prioritize it after that.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for having an LC 500. I was the chief designer of the concept car that became the production car back in 2012. So I I love that car. It was one of the best projects I've ever worked on in my life. Um, So thank you for that. It's interesting that you bring up the topic of the, for example, in-wheel motors. And for projects like the LF30 Electrified, the concept car that uh, previews uh, future electrified technology, we started with a true blank slate. And we thought, well, what's the ideal driving situation in a future of electrification? So for LF30 Electrified, we... We aimed as a team a few weeks into it to move to an in-wheel motor uh, configuration. And it was really for three to four reasons. First of all, for a design, it really changes the proportion of the vehicle. And, uh, you know, you mentioned LC500. That car has a very long bonnet or hood. I'm not sure how, what, it, what it's called in Australia. Both. Yeah, so you have a, you have a long front right? And between the front wheel and the front pillar of the car, it's quite a long distance. We call that dash to axle. And uh, that long space usually signifies a really powerful and big motor. But what we wanted to do was put the power into each wheel. So for LF30, we had to reformulate or rethink the proportion of the vehicle. And in a design language way, we had to show that power was coming from the wheels not the long hood so we created these kind of muscular strong fender shapes that connect the wheel to the cabin and it also allowed us to put the wheels at all four corners which makes the car have better stance better stability looks more agile it also creates a more sleek profile and it increases the cabin volume so you're able to have a car. That's roughly the size of our LS sedan. But the interior volume is more like a a large van or limousine. So from an aesthetic point of view, the in-wheel motor was an interesting choice. The other thing it did aesthetically was we wanted to cool them in a different way. So traditionally, a petrol motor car has a large grill on the front. What we did is we removed the grill and we moved the intakes to the sides. And we used the side intakes to create the shape of the front of the car, but they were actually really functional. They brought the air into the in-wheel motor turbines and cooled the motors that way, and it controlled airflow around the vehicle. So switching to in-wheel motor opened a lot of opportunities for the design team. And uh, technology-wise, what was really interesting about the in-wheel motor system is... We aim to create a new type of uh, driving performance because we didn't want an electric car just to be a boring appliance. Uh, We thought that the fun to drive or exhilarating drive experience is still a key part of car ownership, especially premium car ownership. So what we thought was if you had the motor at each wheel, electronically, you could control Not only how much power goes to each wheel under a different load condition, a different cornering condition, but you could also control the traction amount. Uh, Let's say you could dial in full four wheel drive, or you could dial in more power to the rear to get a little bit more playful. But also during hard cornering, you could expertly control the feel of the car and get the perfect amount of traction needed to come into a corner and out of a corner. So these electric motors at each wheels, they aesthetically gave us a new look, but uh, experience wise, they can give you a new feeling of performance. And that's what I think, it's one of the things I think is really interesting about electrified future is, uh, for designers and engineers, it really opens up the playbook to go beyond a traditional way of Thinking about driving performance or driving dynamics.
0: It's it's interesting um, that what you just described in relation to the Lf30, um, the concept car. But but I, I I want to go back to the LC500 as well. Mm. That design, which as you say, was first conceived back in 2012. Um, it's now in production, obviously. That takes a fair bit of uh, courage <laughs> from the people putting this stuff together. And I mean, you know, you, you're going to run into the process of people saying, oh, well, that's too fancy, or that's too out there, or it's going to be too expensive, or maybe no one's ever going to buy it, or people aren't going to understand it, or that's never going to work. It takes a fair bit of courage. And that sense of sort of brave design, how well entrenched or deeply entrenched, and how lucky are you that someone like the Toyota Lexus actually allows you to do this? Because uh, a lot of other organizations would say, let's not bother. Let's just do what we can make tomorrow and just pump them out.
1: Yeah. Well, Mark, I, I would honestly say that, that the Lexus LC500 is almost the, the best example of not only brave design, but the commitment that our company has now to really produce the designer's, engineer's vision from concept to road. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Accio Toyota. Um, and it really changed uh, once he became the head of the company. And uh, he had an experience where uh, a journalist said, told him this was, uh, I think, 2010 or 2011. He's like, uh, cars are nice, but.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating
1: you.
0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They're a little bit boring, and Akio comes back and he, he basically gives the company-wide dictate. No more boring cars and uh that's actually the those are the magic words for designers because we you know we're expressive we want our company to be expressive and it's the only way we can stand out against uh, traditional competition so when we started the lc coupe concept the only keyword was make something beautiful and new and uh, so we really pushed the boundaries on that car even the process it was designed and how it came to fruition and uh, we did the concept car and it was best in show of Detroit of that year. And everybody loved it. Akio loved it, but amazingly they decided to go with it. And uh, Akio said, make the production car look exactly like the concept car. And he put the chief engineer named Sato in charge of that uh, car. And now uh, Sato-san is now the president of Lexus International And uh, his push, Sato-san's push, to really challenge the way we make cars made the final output look exactly like the concept car. I would say so many different manufacturing techniques were changed to make that car possible. It's really, that's really a designer's dream. And uh, it really comes down to the bravery to put in the resources and the effort to make somebody's vision come true. I think this is really a golden era of design in this company. Um, I've been with Toyota and Lexus now for 23 years. The past nine to 10 years, probably the past nine years, have been the best I've experienced in the company. And I tell my new young designers that, well, you're really lucky to be here in this time because you will get something on the road. And if we're smart about it and you really challenge yourself, and we're innovative and we're brave, you might get exactly what you want out there. And uh, somebody may buy your car someday. And actually, going back to recognition, that's the best recognition. Walking around and seeing somebody driving the car you designed drive by or parked in a driveway or parked in a parking lot or to hear somebody talking positively about it. Um, It's a really cool experience. But yeah, LC was a big challenge and uh, the whole company, uh, design, engineering, product planning, uh, manufacturing, body engineering, the motor engineering group, all put in 110% effort to make that product. And and I I think that actually comes out in all of our products. And you'll see more of that in in our future products.
0: I, and I'm a layman, obviously I'm a layman, but when I describe the feeling of driving the LC500, I describe it in, um, it sounds cool when you start it up, it's got a really cool sound, it's very comfortable, it feels good when I drive it, it just feels good, I, I don't know what the engineering is, but it feels good, I don't know what all the innovations are, but I know that there's something going on, but it just feels good, it looks cool, it's very appealing to look at from my point of view. Inside, um, in terms of panels, uh, what I mean by panels is uh, um, how the thing is engineered in terms of what you've touched to work and it looks very futuristic to me. I feel like I'm in an aeroplane or something like that Um, and I'm not that sophisticated in terms of being able to work everything but I just like having it. So you guys put all that into detail. I mean you actually break all those um, descriptors that I just gave you which are very broad generic type descriptors. You break them down into really small details and you make sure that Mm. you deliver on those things. And as I said, as an amateur car enthusiast, it's interesting that you have been out, you and your team, or Lexus more important, I guess, you've been able to predict back 10 years ago or nearly 10 years ago, what someone like me is expecting out of, out of my motor vehicle environment when it comes to the LC500, for that matter. And that's sort of quite an interesting process of seeing into the future. How the hell do you do that? I mean, how do you look at what the LF30 is what are you thinking to yourself? How do you work out what people are going to want to have in terms of electrification cars in 2030? I mean, how do you work that out? I mean, where, where do you get this idea and or thought process from?
1: Mark, it's an interesting question because, as I said, I really consider the design team at all the studios at this company, they're futurists. And a large part of the any project, any advanced project, is research and postulating a hypothesis of a future buyer target. And we don't start drawing right away. Everybody thinks maybe we start creating instantly when we get an assignment. But the truth is we spend probably about three, four months nailing down the concept first. It's almost like a designer version of a business plan. Uh, Everybody needs buy-in, design, product planning, engineering before anybody starts drawing. It's really interesting because the to predicting what the future scenario is going to be and who's going to want a type of vehicle and why, and what's the story. So it's not just facts. Uh, we have research teams that provide us with factual data, a lot of numerical data and statistics. That's all fine. But we try to merge that with uh, prediction. And a lot of it is analyzing trends, future trend research, things that we see online that have nothing to do with automotive, but have more to do with what people are going to think and feel in the future. And we try to merge what we think is going to happen with the statistics that show where things are likely to go. And we try to tell a story around that that's a little bit more colorful than just mark, uh, mail, in the future is going to want this car with two doors. It's more about what we call a dream scene, a day in the life. We try to describe a day in the life. And then we create a vehicle to suit those needs. So it's kind of funny because I would say when we did the original concept for LC, uh, somebody like you, Mark, you were actually who we had exactly envisioned as the target buyer for that car. (laughs) A successful entrepreneurial businessman, businesswoman, but somebody who was forward thinking and innovative and not bound by tradition. Because we had to tell a story of why would somebody spend X amount of dollars on a luxury coupe that didn't come from Europe. So we had to create a story about a type of person who would be open to take a risk and get something more innovative. So that's for L.C., for LF30, it was uh, it was a little bit more challenging. Again, Lexus Design, Lexus International, uh, really gave us the freedom to dream, I would say. And uh, starting with a blank sheet, uh, it sounds great for designers, but actually it's the hardest job there is because there's no parameters. So we started thinking about, okay, 2030, electrification is in full swing. What does that mean for our brand? But not only what does it mean for the vehicle, but what's the total experience? What's the total luxury experience from getting up in the morning and going throughout your day and then finishing your day and possibly what you do for the weekend? So we envisioned a total scenario of getting up in the morning and being completely connected with this vehicle and having... All the information that you need, tailored to your needs, available available to you inside your house, but communicated to you via the car on the Lexus uh, the Lexus Cloud, and then driving to work, having an exhilarating drive to really awaken the senses and really get you motivated to continue the day. Then you you do your day at work, and maybe you want to plan a weekend trip with your girlfriend or wife and two of your best friends and the friends can join you in this vehicle because there's so much space but it's an exhilarating drive experience and use of augmented reality and ai not only the perfect route to wherever you want to go but maybe an itinerary is planned for you everybody in the vehicle could experience the trip so the navigation unit is not just for the driver it's shared with all passengers and in this car's case we actually projected it on the on the ceiling and we projected it as a star map and the the inspiration was that was about the navigating via the stars from ancient mariners but it was it was about involving everybody in the vehicle in the journey and then ending the journey in like a lexus branded resort and the car would uh, basically drop you off. We had these little, what we called Lexus Airporters, and it's it's in the movie that we released online, but we had these uh, uh, hovercraft come out of the back of the vehicle, and it would take your luggage for you, uh, so it's like a, a drone porter system, and meanwhile, when you're walking in, the car drives itself to the parking spot, it charges overnight, and you enjoy a, a wonderful experience in this Lexus resort, and you see the the Northern Lights, that was an example of the story we created uh, around the vehicle to help explain who is this car for. So, I mean, I think for anybody who's trying to innovate in business
0: today, they have to understand the sorts of things that great organizations like your organization does as, as a premise to making the design and or coming up with the thing that's going to be the new product. Mm. I mean, lots of people who listen to this show are looking for ways to innovate, mm. but they really don't even know, to be frank with you, they don't even really understand what innovation is. And innovation mm. is not a word, it's a process, and it's about having the the best practices in the world. One of the things I just want to bring you back to, in to me it's a very important matter, is that um, I think the concept of tradition, particularly Japanese tradition, still, you know, whilst, you know, there are lots of European cars. You talked about how, how do you convince someone to buy a car that, a luxury car that's not designed and built in Europe. And one of the things that I, it's always been in my head, one thing I know about Japan is tradition's a very important thing. And one of the things I sense when I get inside the car is I do get a sense of tradition, like there's lots of timber, it's quite warm. Um, it feels quite luxurious. I mean, uh, uh, all right, Japanese are famous for their technology, I get that, but the technology is a given because we've just discussed that. How does this concept of tradition kept within the car? Because, you know, uh, like we have all these modern things, elect- electrification, we have, um, you know, use of the cloud and we can look at the stars over the top of us while we're driving, the, everyone can experience the, the trip, et cetera. But at the end of the day as well, we do need still to have Connection back with nature or natural things, natural a natural feel, and that, that's sort of about making everything authentic, real. Mm, yeah. How do you guys sort of keep me in that loop, or are you going to put me some other place that is completely foreign to
1: me? I mean, do you keep me in the loop? Yeah. In the traditional sense. I think one of the really great things about working for the Lexus brand in the last couple of years is the realization that the thousand-year-old tradition of Japanese craftsmanship is something to be promoted and talked about and actually designed into the car. And uh, for a long time, it was all about the technology, which is great. But recently, we really, to be honest with you, Mark, we're really trying hard to bring that tradition of Japanese craft. I I don't know if you've heard the word Takumi craftsmanship. I have but bringing this kind of japanese handcraft into the vehicle. So, for example in the in the LS series sedans, we have this beautiful Kiroko glasswork in the door, the patterns in the door based on the kimoto weaving. In LC, the coupe that you have the stitching in the door is inspired by that uh, takumi craftsmanship. So, for LF30, although it's the the overall shape of the car is strikingly futuristic, we felt that in the interior environment, what's a nice balance to automation and AI and AR is that sense that um, humans were still involved in the creation and making of the vehicle. And that's where the Japanese craftsmanship's come in. And so it's not just about, of course, it's a big separation from us to the European competitors. And I I really love it. Um, But I think it's also going to help soften the the edge of technology in our future. So for LF thirty electrified, we we actually had a, a lot of uh, very concrete examples of that. So for example, in the door panels, we wanted to take the pleating. So in LS, we have door we have pleating of the fabric in the door. So for LF thirty, we wanted to take that to the next level and we wanted to create fabric that was woven from spun metal and spun recycled metal, but folding it in a way that they do in Kyoto at the traditional kimono makers. So the interior door panel of LF30 is metal fabric pleats that stretch the length of the car that were made by hand. Huh. That's really interesting. Um, another thing is uh, a lot of the wood in the vehicle is, inside is black. And it's not black by paint, it's through a process called yakisugi. And yakisugi is an ancient Japanese technique of charring wood to not only give it a beautiful black sheen, but it also is a natural way to protect it from insects and from rot. And it's it's a natural preservation technique. So uh, we use this reclaimed wood in the entire interior and we made it black using this technique. And um, it's funny, there's a, another thing, and I actually, I have it, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but this is, this is the key to the show car. This is the actual key that turned on all the electronics in the car. I've, I keep it on my desk for, as a memento. But it had a combination of ancient and modern in it. So for example, the top is uh, it's glass, and inside the glass, it's, it's black. That black is the, the carbon capture from the production of LF-30. So the idea would be that every owner would have this bespoke key that was created by the construction of your vehicle. And uh, inside the carbon, there's a little gold strip. And that gold strip is, again, kind of a, the ancient Japanese technique of... Uh, Maybe you've heard of the, uh, when a bowl or a cup breaks or shatters, um, you put it back together. And in Japan, they used uh, gold to fill the cracks. And the concept there is actually the, the repaired cup is more beautiful than the original perfect item. And so the story is imperfection is beauty. And so the, the gold strip within the carbon here is not only representative of that technique, but it's actually the the, uh, electronic transponder that contains all your data information, and it connects you to the vehicle. And uh, so this piece of jewelry is both ancient and futuristic at the same time, and uh, it's unique to you. It's a bespoke item. And uh, we were really intrigued by this idea. We thought that this was a really great signifier of how the ancient and the futuristic can come together to create a beautiful object of science and technology. So a lot of these things we put into the design as the signifier of who we are as a brand and where our country of origin is. And one little last thing about this. The the town that we're in, where E.D. Square is located, is famous for uh, glass blowing. So the glass came from a local uh, manufacturer. So it was a, it was a combination of France and Japan in this, this item. I love the fact that um, you're respecting the past and embracing the
0: future. I mean, that's pretty cool. There's a story all of a sudden attached to your car. I mean, probably more importantly, you've got a talking point. I mean, if you get one of these cars, you know, it actually goes into production. What you're talking about here is the ability to be able to discuss, somebody's going to say, oh, wow, what's that key? Mm. What's that about? And then all of a sudden you've got a story, you've got a talking point. Um, those those things are pretty unusual to, in today's cars. Mm. I mean, we just say, well, that, oh, that looks cool. It goes fast. You can do a zero to 100 in uh, 3.2 seconds or something like that. That's generally the the parley. That's how we're talking about our cars. I like the fact that we can actually talk about tradition and mm. futuristic mm. in a world which is, you know, changing ever so rapidly, particularly these days. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 2030 when my grandson's going to be, you know, 20 years of age. Tradition and charm are things that I think are going to be more in demand than they ever have been in the past, as well as you've got to be up to date with the future and you've got to be up to date with engineering. You've got to be ahead of the curve or on the curve or leading the pack. I get that. But those traditions are going to be sought after. And I think, uh, you know, this Japanese sense of respecting the past, I think is really important. It's the thing that it gets me in any way. I mean, how important, does this come from the top, right through the organization?
1: I think what you're talking about is not only the tradition and charm, but uh, the concept called omotenashi, which is uh, Japanese hospitality. And, uh, and usually it's in a very subtle way. And it's actually been a part of our brand ethos for a while now. And it's, um, it's funny. Sometimes it's hard to describe because it's a very subtle thing. Uh, something as simple as what's the lighting sequence when you approach the car. Our interior design team and the lighting, the lighting engineering team really spend a lot of time to make sure the, the lighting sequence and the startup sequence make you feel comfortable and welcome and enveloped in a sense of I'm in somewhere special. But uh, I think it's really key to a lot of our interior design philosophy, especially how is the how are the passengers treated in the rear of the vehicle? Um, what's the experience that they have? Is it just comfort or is it a, It's about how you spend your time or how you're involved with the trip or when you choose not to be involved? And so the vehicle knows you and it's geared towards you and it's designed to you. And this concept of welcoming is moving into the exterior design more and more, especially as we enter the age of electrification and automation. And uh, we need to come up with ways to signify to the outside world that the car is switching between a fully manual drive mode or a fully autonomous mode. And so on LF-30, we use the front and rear end lighting to signify to you when you walk up to the car that the car is powering on. It's in this mode. Um, It knows that you're here. Um, But as you're driving and you switch between modes, the lighting and the graphic in the um, front glass, the traditional grill pattern is replaced by a lighting array and it communicates what mode. The car is to the outside world, and that's a that's a little bit about Omotenashi as well. In a in a new way, um, how the car interacts with its environment, not only on the inside but the outside.
0: well that's. I mean, I'm not a car enthusiast, but I'm becoming one very quickly. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is pretty cool stuff. I want to say this um, to all our listeners. Um, everybody knows, or a lot of people know, that I have a relationship with Toyota or Lexus, more specifically. This particular show though why I wanted this particular show produced for our listeners is because not very often do you get an opportunity to listen to the president of Toyota Europe design development in other words a person who is at the top of an organization which puts itself into position as a leader in the world when it comes to design and or breaking barriers and being innovative and for me, this is a, a real privilege and I really appreciate this opportunity. I really appreciate the opportunity for my listeners, probably more importantly, to be able to listen to the sorts of things that a great company coming from a very small country, how they convey their own traditions, their own culture, and wrap it in futuristic design and then get this product across the world to be one of probably one of the most popular car brands there is in the world today in terms of numbers. For me, it's a it's a big achievement for me just to be able to sit here and talk to you, to have your, someone of your ilk and a company of your ilk to express to us how you go about being innovative. So it's probably 1am or something in your country right now where you are in France. Hopefully um, you get to sleep in tomorrow morning. I appreciate everything you've said and every moment you've given to us, Ian. Thanks very much.
1: Mark, It's it's been a real pleasure and um, I hope I gave you a taste of how we create the future, and how much as a brand we really consider you as a customer and everybody around the world as a customer, we consider them first before we even put pen to paper.
0: I can see that, and um, I now have a greater insight into your organization. I hope our listeners do too, and I hope they get inspired to innovate in relation to whatever business it is that they are in today. Thanks very
1: much, Ian. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Oh,